You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this interview, I just wanted to share with you a few words from our sponsor, Design Crowd. Now, if you haven't heard of Design Crowd, they are an amazing online marketplace that helps businesses outsource their graphics, logos, and web designs with access to over 500,000 designers around the world. And the cool thing is, within a few hours of submitting your design requirements, you'll receive 50 to 100 plus designs from designers around the world, so you have the best chance to pick that perfect design for you. You know, I personally love this option because I use it in my business ventures and projects because it saves me on a few major things in life, such as time, uh, energy, and also the headache of going back and forth with designers. You know, the great thing about Design Crowd is it's affordable, it's scalable, without you even needing an in-house design team, which I absolutely love, and it's that flexibility of going to it whenever you need. So the good folks at Design Crowd are kind enough to offer you as an exclusive Addicted to Success listener the VIP Custom Design Upgrade Pack, which will save you over $100 on a deluxe project for any type of custom design, including logos, business cards, websites, flyers, and emails. So head over to designcrowd.com success, and the promo code is success. That's S-U-C-C-E-S-S. Okay, now let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm here today with one of my amazing friends by the name of Tony Gaskins. I don't know if you've seen him. He's all over Facebook. He's all over Instagram. He is an incredible speaker. I had the opportunity to see him live. Oh, it would have been about four and a half to five years ago. He was one of the first guys I interviewed for the Addicted to Success TV. And he absolutely rocked out in that interview. And I'm so excited to see where Tony is right now because he's been making some major moves working with the NBA and speaking all over the world. And his new book, The Dream Chaser, has just come out. So make sure you get your hands on that. But before we get into all that, Tony, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joel. Glad to be here. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So just to give people an understanding of uh, why you've chosen this as your passion, why you go all in on coaching others and why you love being an entrepreneur, how did this start for you just in a nutshell and what are you doing with it today? It started when I was 22 um, and I kind of, I was pushed into purpose. I always tell people that my pain birthed my purpose. Because where I grew up, we had three options. You can be overworked and underpaid like your parents. You can be a pro athlete like Tracy McGrady. Um, I'm from the home of Tracy McGrady, uh, former NBA superstar. Or you can be a drug dealer like your cousins. And so those were the three options that I saw. And I tried all three. I tried to be a pro athlete. And then I tried to get a degree. And then I was a drug dealer. And so I was searching for myself, bouncing around. And I was lost, you know, one of the lost youth uh, coming from the inner city, just that backwards mindset. And then at 21, I met my wife and she pushed me to another level because she wouldn't allow me to be average. She wouldn't allow me to succumb to the pressures of the world and just, you know, sell myself short. And that's when I tapped into my gift as a writer. You know, I had written poetry all my life because I was quiet and I started writing and I just started pushing my book 
relentlessly. Just every day I was pitching myself to Oprah, to Tyra Banks, to CNN, every outlet I could think of that I had knowledge of, I was pitching myself. And I just wanted to use my wisdom, the little that I had, just to teach. So from everything that I learned, I wanted to teach. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. When I think of you, because I remember uh, you and I were having a conversation about five years ago, four and a half years ago, and the, the word relentless came up quite often. Um, and I think it was the thoughts that I had. And also, I think you said it a couple of times. It's kind of like your mantra, like what you live by being relentless, right? In a relentless pursuit for success. And another thing that I've picked up on lately is uh, just from our conversation before is that you are also self-reliant. And I love that you've gone the route of uh, building the business a lot by yourself because I did that with Addicted to Success. For the first few years, I was like a one-man band. And so for you, you've, you've amassed you know, millions. You, you're netting a million a year or so and from your coaching and speaking and your books. And you've done a lot of that just by yourself. So I think there's this common myth that everybody needs to have the dream team or 10 or 20 or 30 people until they can even see some form of business success or financial success. So uh, yeah, man, you're, you're a great uh, example of running by yourself and making it happen. Uh, what would your advice be there for people that are struggling to, to be self-reliant? Right. Well, I would say be self-reliant only if you have to. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say necessarily choose it. But for me, coming where I'm from, I had no mentors. You know, there was no one who had been where I was trying to go. There was no authors, no uh, world-renowned speakers. I couldn't reach those people. I could talk to athletes. I could talk to Tracy McGrady, but I wasn't going to go to the NBA. Um, you know, he talked to me about money. He talked to me about women. You know, so I got some insight. But when it came to building a team, it just wasn't something that, I was able to do. I mean, a lot of people had a crab in the barrel mentality. Nobody really thought you could make it out. You know, nobody, when I wrote my book, nobody jumped behind me and supported me and said, hey, let me be your manager. Let me be your assistant. You know, let me help you push this thing because nobody saw, saw me making it out. And so I was working alone. You know, my wife supported me and she pushed me and I just started to build. I was everything. I have 17 email addresses and I run them all, you know, I run them all. And I was my booking agent under a different name. I was my publicist <laughs> under a different name. I was my uh, coaching uh, assistant, you know, the person who books my coaching sessions under a different name. I was my <laughs> virtual assistant under a different name. Um, I started eight companies, you know, I started them all. I ran them all. And I still have six today. One of is my wife's a management company. The other five were mine, and I ran them all by myself. And it was just this year, I believe it was, in 2016, that I hired my first staff, like full-time staff person, um, young man with a master's degree. I ended up having to part ways after four months with him. And now, just now, just hired another young lady who's kind of doing just all the odds and ends. But since 2007, what's that, nine years, you know, I was working alone. And what I found is that a lot of people were out here just to take money, you know. They just wanted a paycheck, but they didn't care as much about your brand as you care. And they wouldn't work as hard as you'll work. So I'd rather do it myself until I can't do it myself anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. So look, man, you've been in this game for, let's say, nine years, right? Nine years or so, right. 10 years, getting close to 10 years. 
you told me just before this call that you can write literally a whole book in what a week right i mean that's insane i'm at the five i'm at like the five and a half six year mark what advice would you give to me uh looking back on where you were around that mark like what what is something if you if you're an aspiring speaker coach author that's listening to this interview because we have a lot of them that listen to the addicted to success podcast what would your advice be when it comes to building your business out and building your brand too right man for mine i guess it's kind of unconventional you know it's it's non-traditional and I believe in building from the inside out. You know, yeah. a lot of people teach, you know, that you have to read a book a day, a book a week, or book a month. You know, I didn't read a book until 2015. You know, I started when I was in 2007. I didn't read a book until 2015. And the reason why is because I didn't want to implement anyone else's strategy. Yes. I didn't want to build someone else's ride. I didn't want to do what someone else created with their mind. I didn't want to be a replica or a duplicate. I wanted to be an original. And I also wanted to create a blueprint that I could sustain. Because if I come to Joel and I get all of your knowledge and I pay $10,000 to go to your five-day seminar and I get all of your knowledge, because it came from you, I may not know how to implement what you just taught me. And then if I implement what you did teach me, I'm going to reach a plateau and I'm going to need you again. And then what about when you die off and you're gone and I'm still pushing? Who do I go to? Because now I've built someone else's system that doesn't have my fingerprint, that I don't have the blueprint for, that I can't build up, tear down and build again. So I built the business that made sense to me. I drowned out all noise. I didn't listen to anybody. I didn't read anybody. I wrapped my mind around what I could produce. And then after I built the foundation, that's when I opened my mind to other speakers. And that's when I, I let in Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and C.S. Lewis and Earl Nightingale and Tony Robbins and Les Brown. That's when I let those other guys in to kind of be the icing on the cake, you know, yeah. to, to, to be the dressings on my house that I had built. But um, and even with that, I keep it minimal. I keep it very minimal because I believe we're all such dynamic beings that we are yeah. all created so wonderfully that we can produce things that the human mind can't conceive from the outside looking in if we just look within and we produce from the inside out. So that's been my model, man. And I tried to build a model that other people have built the same model, mm. but they didn't copy me and I didn't copy them. It just goes to show the power of the human mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, man. Because you've worked that way, because you know that it's about you being unique and having your own gifts to share with the world, that's why companies like the NBA come to you for you to step in and coach players in the NBA. So right. tell me, because you've worked with some incredible athletes, as a as like a mindset coach and a life coach right right what what do you feel has been the most powerful uh experience with working with an nba player from your memory like what has uh, really stood out even a couple lessons if you have a couple i think for me i guess i take something a little different from it i realize that even though they are superstars and they make millions of dollars they struggle just like broke people. You know, they struggle from the same issues, relationship problems, 
self-esteem problems, um, confidence. They're they're very they're insecure as anybody else. You know, yeah. they're we think that they just have really strong minds and just this crazy will to be amazing. When nine out of ten times they're just physically gifted. Um, their mind is no stronger than yours or mine. You know, they work no harder than you and I. And so for me, I took a different approach. And instead of looking up at them, I just look directly at them. And I go to the heart. You know, I talk to the heart. I don't think about the sport. I talk to them about as a man, you know, or as a woman. And I've coached probably over 500 pro athletes. Um, I've been working with the NBA and the Players Association since 2010. Since I was 26 years old, I've been a speaker speaking to the rookies that get drafted every year. And then also uh, working with NFL players, with MLB players, with soccer players, with boxers, um, across the board. And my thing is not so much the sport. I let other people handle, you know, the mental skills for on the court, on the field performance. I help them get their life off the field right. I help them work on their relationship, uh, work on their person, their integrity, who they are as a person, help them build a brand outside of the sport. I want to affirm them as a human being because they've only been affirmed as an athlete. So that's my approach to it. I, you know, I, I, for me, it's not even about performance. And uh, I tell them, if you, if you learn how to be a man, basketball is easy. If you learn how to be a man, football is easy. Uh, you know, if if you get the intangibles, you know. And so that that's what I'm working with them on mostly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. On that note about being a man, what do you believe it takes in this day and age to be a real man? Because I think this is a, a big problem for men. They have a, the wrong idea of what it means to be a man to that woman, as a man showing up in this world for their kids, as a man showing up in their business even. What does it take to be a real man? Right. If I had to put it in a nutshell, I would say a real man accepts full responsibility for his life and for his actions. So what that means is everything that he produces, his children, his business, he accepts full responsibility for that. And anything that happens to him, he places no blame for what happened. But instead, he accepts responsibility for how he's going to respond to it. So today we have men not loving their woman, walking away from a good woman, not raising their children. We have men not accepting responsibility for their actions as a person and how their actions impact others. And that's where I had to change my life, you know, with my actions and accepting full responsibility. And for me, it started with loving my wife. You know, when I look at the first man who was ever created, um, if, if you believe like that, that's how I believe that Adam was the first man. One of his first commandments was, you know, to love Eve, you know, he was given Eve before, I mean, right after he was given dominion of the earth. And so she was a vital part of his life, uh, that woman, and him having to love, protect, and provide, you know, things went wrong <laughs> with that, with the apple. But I look at that as a sign to me, you know, saying that I have to lay down my life for my woman. I have to love her 
um, if she's a good woman, and then I have to take care of the kids that I produce, and I have to be responsible for my actions. And so at 23 years old, 23 years old, I stopped going to the club. I stopped cursing. I didn't gamble. I took care of my behind the scenes. Uh, I didn't watch pornography. I didn't cheat on my wife. Um, everything that I saw the men around me fall victim to and became a prey of, I cut everything out. And for me, success is not how much money you make. We hear about people talking about, oh, I make 50 million a year. I make, I was just at a um, speaking at Steve Harvey's thing and I think he makes, you know, nearly 200 million dollars a year. I mean, like, Whoa. like from so one, wild. I saw, I saw an article from one show, from one of his TV shows, I think the Steve Harvey show, he makes $85 million a year um, just from that one TV show. And he has like three or four and he has a radio show and he has book selling uh, and he does speaking engagement, $150,000 a pop um, in the States. So when I look at that type of money and I see that's my trajectory, um, none of that means anything to me if a man does not treat his wife right. And if he does not set a good example for his children and if he's not responsible for his actions. Yeah. And so for me, that is the type of success that I'm addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. I feel you on every level. I agree 100 percent with that. Yeah. Yeah. Commitment, man. It's commitment uh, and not falling for the material things, falling for what's real. And, you know, it's interesting. So many people that I interview on this podcast uh, their parting advice, you know, you Tony Robbins and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and all these amazing people, they're incredible in their fields. It all goes back to love. It's about love and being of value and giving back and connecting. Uh, and that's at the core. And these people make hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, you know. So, yeah, it's like, don't forget that, right? That's the thing. Right. Don't forget it. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted by the shiny objects. Right. If you have love and if you have the things that money can't buy, then you can produce any amount of money. Yes. But if you don't have those things, no amount of money you make can buy those things. Yeah. So you have to get it from the inside out. And I think the successful individuals like the ones you, you just named, they've, they found the secret, you know. And, and they started to build, you know, from the inside out. And I think that's that's where the magic happens, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So your new book, The Dream Chaser, is out. What is your favorite part of that book? Um, <laughs> You know what? And it's, it's crazy. I'm still working. Uh, I wrote a chapter that got deleted. And that was my last chapter because the book was too long. <laughs> and, and it was actually about, you know, loving my wife. And that was, that was my favorite. And I know that sounds corny to a lot of men because we're so focused on the grind and business and making money. But that was my favorite. Um, after, other than that, I have another chapter that was talking about the one-man show. And to me, man, that's what I'm most proud of, you know. And it, it's probably something that people would say you shouldn't be proud of that you know being a one-man show but that's what i'm most proud of man that i didn't have 
a team, you know, that I didn't have, you know, my father wasn't an entrepreneur, that I didn't have a mentor. And that's what I'm most proud of that, that I got it out of the mud. That's what we, that's the, that's the term we use <laughs> where I'm from. You know, I come from the mud, you know, from, from the bottom to the top and did not, I mean, I reached out to guys, you know, I remember writing Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he responded a couple of times and gave me some jewels. Um, I reached out to a couple other, you know, big guys, but it wasn't a lot of people that I could talk to or get close to. And uh, so I wrote about being, you know, the one man show and building from the ground up. And I created over 40 streams of income the way I count my income. Um, I count my income based on every um, company that's writing me a check. (laughs) So even with my book, um, I break it down into at least a minimum of four streams of income because I count Barnes and Nobles as a stream, Amazon as a stream, yeah. Kindle as a stream, and the Nook as a stream. I count them all as streams, and the reason why I do that, even though they all are just considered one stream, yeah. is to create an abundant mindset. So you so, said you said forty streams of income. Yeah, over forty streams. That's of wild. Income. That's yeah. wild, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to be honest with you, though, I mean, it's kind of like. The same thing Tony Robbins is doing, the same thing uh, Russell Simmons is doing, Um, just putting a product in every. So I had funds coming from an app, you know, my life coaching app, uh, which we're redoing right now. Then I had um, audio, iTunes, audio CDs was another stream. Uh, Coaching, I break down my coaching into different streams. Business coaching is one. Relationship coaching is another. Um, Author consulting is another. Uh, then ghostwriting is another. Then each book is a real asset. You know, just like buying a house, a book is a real asset. So if yeah. each book generates five thousand dollars a month, when I get eight books, then I'm at forty thousand dollars a month. So I count my streams literally, you know, and break them down to where yeah. even one book can be four or more streams. And uh, let, let me ask you this real quick. So you're saying around five thousand a month, and that's that would be a self-published book, right? Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so the trade-off would be if you self-publish, it's, you're going to have to market it yourself, but you're taking a lot on the front end. This is for the listeners, right? If they don't understand it. And then obviously if you go through a traditional publisher, you might get a bit more exposure and, you know, cause you're in the bookstores and you might get more speaking opportunities, but you're not getting that much really on the front end. A lot of it's going back to the advance or you're getting like a dollar a book, right? Right. See with the self-publishing, the way I do it, it costs me about uh, $1,500, you know, to produce the book. So it's, it's really nothing. It's, it's no real investment because everything today is made so easy. So like a New York Times bestselling cover, um, that book cover design, you can get that for $50 on freelancer.com or fiverr.com. You know, it's nothing major about that design. People doing it in their sleep. Um, editing, you know, editors... You know, my editor charges $3 a page, you know, and she's a high ranking editor. But where most editors charge 10, 15, 20 dollars a page, their editing is no better. You know, than mine who charges three dollars a page is just that it's a new venture for I found someone who was young and hungry. Um, Formatting. I mean, that's a few hundred dollars. It's one twenty five, you know, for print book um, and e-book. You combine, you're paying around 260 for formatting the book. So after that, you know, and you publish it through Create Space, which is Amazon's company, it's free. 
You know, it's free to publish. You can get your own ISBN for $10 through them. So at the end of the day, the average number that I was helping my clients and myself publish books, it came to around $1,100. And through every avenue except for Barnes and Nobles, uh, the, the book through Amazon, the book would make about $6 a book. Um, whereas with with traditional publishers, I got a guy who uh, wrote a book and with a traditional publisher got a huge advance, um, you know, six figure advance. But he told me his royalty per book is 30 cent a book. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's no money. And then everybody who, who goes traditional, even the, the agents and the lawyers who helped do the deal, they were telling me, you know, Hey, don't don't go traditional you know they was like it's not worth it like like i have a client who got a seven figure deal you know advance and it still wasn't worth it like the deal still wasn't worth it so it's like it's not traditional publishing isn't set up for the author to win off of the book you gotta you have to be passionate about it you gotta want to give back and you're gonna make a little money but if you're really trying to make money it's not going to be money to you mm-hmm. and it's the ancillary things around the book the speaking the coaching the consulting for me i ghostwrite so i ghostwrite at twenty thousand dollars per book uh, being that i write a book in three days uh, if i wanted to i can ghostwrite a book every week you know and so that's where i generate other income so for me my in my self-published book when i'm promoting it they were making me $10,000 a month. You know, I can make $10,000 a month per book when I'm promoting it. Without promoting it, then it's just organic sales, you know. So you may be around 2000 to 5000 a month just off organic sales, just from social media following and posting tweets and quotes. Yeah. Uh, self-publishing, make way more money if you have a following. <laughs> uh, traditional publishing is more like being a cool kid. It's like having a Letterman jacket, you know. Uh, you get the respect, you know, you can go on Oprah or Good Morning America and they'll let you on because you have a real publisher, a traditional publisher behind you. Because that's how the system is set up. You know, you scratch mine, I'll scratch yours. Um, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. But um, self-publishing, they don't really respect it as much, you know, because you got it from the mud. You did it on your own. You know, you did something that anybody can do, so to speak. So, you know, it's business, it's politics, but... I got on Tyra Banks, you know, back in the day in 2009, and they showed my self-published book to the world. So that was a globally televised show uh, right after I went on Oprah. Oprah didn't show my book to the world. They ordered it from my self-publisher, internet publisher, and they read it, the producer read it, but they didn't show it for whatever reason. I mean, (laughs) what is business? That would have been huge if they did. You would have got a lot more sales, to tell you that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, so this is a question I really want to ask you because I feel like so many people will be interested in this. Uh, if you don't mind me asking you, what, are your, what, are your, um, what would your advice be around reaching out to these amazing outlets, like reaching out to your Oprah Winfrey's or your Tyra Banks? Because I know you did a lot of that by yourself. Right? Right. So how would you approach someone? Like what has worked for you in the past to get on these big media uh, platforms right well I tell you this when you're working by yourself you get everything and, and you don't have money you get everything you can for free and so one thing I learned about the system based on the marketing that people do is they give you all their best content for free and then at yeah. the end they upsell you with this huge price but they really give you all the same stuff over again with just a little bit more so because I didn't have any money you know I was you know 
coming from the bottom, I was on free teleseminars. And so I was getting these tips and tools. And one of the tools that I got was on pitching, you know, and one of the terms they use is timely pitches. And so what I did is when something happens in the media, in, in the current news that relates to something that you write on in your book or that you speak on on your blog, you can pitch yourself as an expert, so to speak. Huh. And, and it has to be short and sweet. You have to get right to the point. So I called it the perfect pitch so that if you're a producer and you're reading your um, emails, the pitches that's coming in, mine was like no more than seven sentences. It was like a paragraph and it was straight to the point. So that first sentence is almost like you're jumping into the middle of a poem or the middle of a very juicy story. And so you jump right in instead of hello, how are you doing? My name is Tony Gaskins. I'm from Arbondale, Florida. Instead of that traditional, it jumps right in, you know, and then I struck her again and there was blood. So now you're like, wow, what in the heck is going on? You know, or I was struck again and blood was dripping from my nose. The next thing I realize, I look up and I just seen flashing lights. So now you're in the middle of this story and they're like, what in the heck is going on? They're reading it and let's say it's dealing with crime and there's a lot of shooting and killing in Chicago and you're talking about, you know, you used to be in that lifestyle. Now all of a sudden, when everybody wants to touch on the shooting and killing in Chicago, they call you because you just wrote in a, with a timely pitch. And it was short, it was sweet, it was to the point, it was engaging, um, it wasn't an essay, it wasn't long and drawn out like you're writing an autobiography. And so that became the secret, man, the pitch. And the thing about it is they're in the business to do business. They're in the business to entertain. So they need you more than you need them or they need you just as much as you need them. And there's 365 days in a year, you know, and in, inside of those 365 days in a year, there's five, six segments that they have to fill. So you do 365 times five. It's a lot of room for a lot of people. And all you have to do is get one of those segments. And so that's how I pitch myself because I had been a toxic lover, you know, in college, a toxic controlling lover, young and dumb, you know, doing what I saw men do growing up. And Chris Brown and Rihanna happened, you know. So that incident happened with them in 2009. And I pitched right on the heels of that, Tony Gaskins. And I wrote in and said, I used to be Chris Brown. Now, I had never done anything to that level it was never that bad it was never any police any uh black eyes or bust lips yeah. but you know it's the media they sensationalize things so i sensationalized a little bit <laughs> and i said you know i was chris brown but basically what i was saying i was a toxic controlling boyfriend at his age too and i told the story from college and that next week um, or maybe it was just a few days later oprah's producer called me and say, hey, we read your story. We want you to come in and be a guest on the show. It was a live airing, so it never, wow. re, it never re-aired. So I didn't have to relive it over and over and over of me bringing my skeletons out of the closet of being a, a punk, you know, and a grown boy, as I call it. Um, and then in the, um, in the limo, after the shoot, me and my wife was in the limo. She was rubbing on my legs. She was like, oh, you're such a, you're such a man. You're so amazing. Uh, because she was proud of me for you know, owning up to being, you know, a punk, you know, a, a grown boy in my past. It was in a relationship before her. Yeah. And, um, and so she got the good version of me. And, but I was talking about the old version, the bad version. And, um, 
And right then it just hit me um, to write to our banks. So I used another tactic, you know, to where I piggyback. Because when you do one form of media, you can piggyback off of that because it's monkey see, monkey do. And so I wrote Tyra Banks and said, you know, I wrote the producer who I had been in touch with because um, they had pitched me some other circus shows because they just thought I was a hungry kid who wanted to be famous. They didn't realize that I was a kid that wanted to live a life of purpose. I didn't want to be mm. just successful. Successful. I wanted to be significant. And so they had pitched me a couple of little, you know, monkey shows and I turned them down. I was like, no, that's not me. I'm not just trying to get on TV. I, you, know, you know, there's a method to the madness. And so I wrote him and I said, hey, did you see me on Oprah? And he wrote back, hey, Tony, we did see you on Oprah. and You were amazing. And we would like you to come on our show as a guest expert with your book in hand. And I was like, wow. You know? yeah. So that yeah. was the secret, man. That's how I did it. And the, and the reason why I say all of that, I say that to say I never took a PR class. And I never had a PR agent. I've never paid a PR agency a dime. But mm -hmm. I got on Oprah and Tyra Banks. Then CNN picked up the story from Oprah and they showed it. Then I went on the 700 Club, which TBN, the largest you know, Christian broadcasting network. And then I did local media, local newspapers, did all the, the major blogs, all this on my own, just yeah. putting one foot in front of the other, thinking logically and practically and uh, and just making it happen regardless of, of of the circumstances or the odds. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's a dream chaser right there. <laughs> now I know why you're writing a book on it because that's exactly who you are. I love that. That's a great example. Thanks, man. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's amazing. So, Tony, if you could ask yourself one powerful question, just one powerful question, what would that question be, and what would your answer be to that question? Mm, if I could ask myself yeah. one question, <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, I don't know. I, I've never, I guess I don't ask myself questions. <laughs> you're, busy, you're busy asking everybody else questions as a coach. Yeah. That's what you do, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't, I don't ask myself questions. Um, I, I would ask myself something very simple, and that is, can you make it? You know, can 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 I make it? You know, and my answer would be very simple: yes. And I, I think that is the essence of life. You know, simplicity. If we make it as simple as possible, as simple as possible, um, everything falls into place. But I think we want to be so profound, and we want to be so deep. We want to be so complex uh, that we just we end up getting stuck in the mud. But for me, I've made it off simplicity, you know, just keeping it simple, yeah. doing what I know how to do, you know, to the extent of my knowledge, what I can, what I can control, what I can produce, uh, gaining other knowledge where I can. But if I can't use it, if I can't understand it, I, I throw it to the wayside and I, I keep, I keep chugging along the best way I know how. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Tony, you know, it's funny. Uh, when we're asked questions, usually by default, we go to, oh, I don't know, or I'm not sure, just because of how our brain works, right? right. And then the, the, the second question would be, well, I know you don't know, but if you did know, what would you say? And then you dig a little bit deeper and you find it and you found it. It was great, man. I love that. I love seeing that process in action. It was awesome. <laughs> Thanks for giving yeah. us the answer there. Yeah. yeah. At, at least they know the interview isn't staged. <laughs> it wasn't staged at all. <laughs> 
Yep, yep. So, Tony, uh, where can we pick up the Dream Chaser? Where is it? Uh, it'll be available everywhere. Right now, it's in the pre-order stage, um, depending on when you know this is put up. But Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, Books a Million. Um, it'll be on the ebook, all the e-readers. So anywhere, you know, anywhere you love to buy books from, you'll be able to get the book. Um, hopefully, Barnes and Nobles, you know, will show me a lot of love, and uh, hopefully, get into the airports and everything. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I believe it'll be there. There's a lot of people that want to be dream chasers that are, are, are needing that budge, that are needing the pull to to live out their vision and to live out their dreams. So it's it's great that you're leading the way. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Tony, I'm going to leave you with this last question. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, mm-hmm. what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Man, you know, i tell you what that is. That's another deep question. <laughs> you, they need to give out a award for questions. <laughs> but I tell you what, honestly, Joel, I can't even, I can't even answer it because the way I believe uh, in the power of words, um, I don't want to speak that last speaking, speak that last speech into existence just yet. And I have never planned a speech. I always speak from the heart, mm. and I cannot fathom what my heart will feel after seeing all that I will have seen before my last speech. So I think if I spoke that into existence, I would do a disservice to myself and to the people. So I would say now, just wait and see. <laughs> just wait and see. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be something some special. But I, I'm hoping that's 80 years away. <laughs> <laughs> and also, and also, you know this, man. Actions speak louder than words. Like you've lived that. So yes, yeah. yes. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Tony, you're a legend. Thank you so much for joining me today and and for sharing your words of wisdom with the listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. It's been awesome. Anytime, brother. I'm looking forward to picking up your book too. Awesome. I'm Thank putting you. in a pre-order right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.